Hi, welcome to Ready to Scale Season 3. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman. I'm a real estate investor, syndicator, and operator of multifamily properties. And in this season, we're going to focus on dialogues that drive success. Building real wealth is not a fairy tale nor rocket science, but there's so much to learn. So grab a cup of coffee and join me each week for in-depth conversations with successful real estate investors. Conversations that are designed to help you drive your wealth, investment, knowledge, and lifestyle to the next level. And of course, you can always go to my website, elliperlman.com, to read more about investing passively in multifamily. everyone. Welcome to another episode of Ready to Scale. I'm Ellie Perlman, your host broadcasting from frozen Rhode Island. So today I want to talk to you about what I look for when I walk a potential deal. And I have to say, you know, I live in Rhode Island, but I don't buy anything here, just like I didn't buy anything when I lived in California, because these states are not very landlord friendly. And basically, when I'm looking at a deal, I want to buy in a place that is very landlord friendly, a state that is attracting tenants, and I can see rent growth, population growth, job growth, and all those growths are actually happening in Texas, Florida, Georgia, the Carolinas. These are my markets. So basically, I get on a plane and I fly. I try not to do too much during COVID. But when I do, you know, I fly and I walk properties. And there are five main things that I'm looking at when I'm walking a property. So when I say walking a property, the way that it works, I can tell you a little bit about how it works behind the scenes. After you underwrite the deal and the numbers seem to be good, you know, I send the PM, the property manager to walk the property they come back to me with some numbers and I update my underwriting. If the deal still looks good and we submit a letter of intent, then we get invited to the best and final round, which is the absolute final, you know, pricing, you know, offer of how much we're willing to pay for the asset. We usually have about a week between the LOI and the final round. And during this week, I'm basically flying over and I walk the property with my property manager with our maintenance team, with the current property manager, and with the broker. We all meet and we walk, you know, around the property. We see some units, we see the amenities. And throughout the years, I've noticed that there are several things that are more important than others. And I want to walk you through what I'm really looking at when I'm walking a potential deal. The first thing that I'm looking at is I'm trying to assess the tenants. I'm looking at the tenant base. I'm looking around and seeing who are the people that live here? Do they look like decent tenants? Are they going to be problematic tenants? I'm trying to assess. Some deals, I got to tell you, you know, I drove into the property and saw some, you know, people just sitting near the gate doing nothing in the middle of the day. That was way before COVID. I mean, obviously, it was also the wrong area of town. And so it's important to kind of assess, you know, who the tenants are. I'm also looking at their cars because if the cars are clean, they look good, then usually tenants take care of their cars the same way that they take care of their apartments. I've seen properties with cars that there were windows missing, wheels missing. And so obviously, and then I'm looking at the units and I see that some apartments are also missing windows. So I did see a certain correlation there. 
before COVID, if you walked the property at 2 p.m. and you saw tons of cars, that was a bad sign. It means that you have a lot of people that are unemployed. However, today, if you actually see cars, sometimes it could be a good thing because it means that people are working from home, which means that they are you know, getting paid and can pay rent. However, you can't know if the cars are there because they're working from home and they have a Zoom meeting or the cars are there because they're just unemployed. So I try to pay attention to, you know, if the cars are, you know, not too old, you know, they're being taken care of, they look, you know, clean. And I'm trying to see, kind of assess the tenants that are walking around and trying to see if they look like tenants that I would want to deal with, even though I don't deal with them directly. It's my property management company, but I want to see if these are good tenants. So assessing the tenants is one thing. The second thing is curb appeal. I'm trying to see if the property has good curb appeal, which means that, you know, if I'm walking around, if it looks nice, if it's, you know, if I have good landscaping, if the bones are good, and obviously a bad curb appeal could be fixed but the question is at what cost? So if the curb appeal is already good. That means that I have less work to do once I buy the property. So curb appeal is something that I pay attention to because if the property feels good to me, it feels good to tenants that are driving around or walking the property and trying to assess whether they want to call it their new home. So curb appeal is the second thing that I'm looking at, trying to assess you know, how old the roof is, how much money I need to set aside for cleaning the property, you know, whether it is exterior paint or power washing the property, do I need to resurf and restripe the parking lot? So all those things are things that I pay attention to as part of the curb appeal. The third thing that I'm looking at is additional income idea. So when I'm walking the property, I pay attention to whether there is valley trash in place. And of course, I'm asking the property manager if they have valley trash, how much they're charging for it, if they do, and if not, how much she or he believe that they can charge. I'm looking to see if there's any Amazon lockers that we can you know, bring and charge tenants for the, the use of those lockers, whether there are reserved parking around me or you know, cardboards in some markets. I'm trying to see if there are any ideas to improve the property and charge fees to the tenants to add value. That's part of the value add. It's not only interior renovation, it's also other amenities I can add. Can I improve the dog park? Can I build a dog park if it's not there? And so other, you know, additional incomes ideas. So a dog park is something that you don't charge people to get into, but you can have an amenity fee if you create a dog park, if you have a car wash station, a dog wash station, for instance. So all those things you can create and then start charging you know, fees for using the amenities, using the Amazon lockers, assigning resort parkings, valley trash, all of that. So that's the third thing that I'm looking at when I'm walking a property. The fourth thing that I'm looking at is how a classic unit looks like compared to a renovated unit. So I actually, part of the tour is to walk and see a classic unit, which is a unit that has not been renovated. And then I walk a renovated unit and I take notes on what exactly the finishes are. If they have two-inch blinds, if they have two-tone paint versus just regular paint, if the cabinet doors in the kitchen have been painted, 
have been replaced? If it's only the doors, if it's the doors and the boxes, is there forward flooring or carpet throughout? If there's a granite countertop or quartz, I mean, there's so many variations and it's important for me to understand what exactly is the scope for the renovated unit and how much premium they're charging because after doing my my market research, I would want to complete the renovation on the entire property and basically renovate all the classic units. And if all the units are classic, then depending on the size, I would want to either renovate some of it and leave the rest to the next buyer or renovate all of the units and sell it to an institutional buyer who doesn't want to renovate units. So walking and assessing classic and renovated units That's the fourth thing that I'm doing when I'm walking a property. The last thing is trying to assess large ticket items when it comes to deferred maintenance. And I've touched on it earlier when I spoke about the curb appeal, but basically some assets have deferred maintenance, which means things that should have been fixed, one-time expenses that haven't been fixed. Could be exterior paint. The paint can be old or just ugly paint. You know, I've seen properties that have green or orange exteriors, which you can like those colors, but trust me, for the most part, they don't look good if you have that really solid, strong green color as an exterior. It doesn't look good. It's not very trendy today. So maybe I need to do exterior paint. Maybe the roof is old and I need to put some money aside in case there's, you know, a leak or, you know, something happens with the roof. I'm looking at the parking lot, whether it looks good or it needs to be restriped and resurfaced. And, you know, based on the size of the property, I can assess how much that costs, but it's very high level. Looking at the pool and I see if it needs you know, any new furniture, if you need to resurface the pool itself because it's chip or it's old, all those things, there are the deferred maintenance items. The property manager is also helping me assessing the costs and what is needed to be done. And that is the fifth thing that I'm looking at when I'm walking properties. So just to sum up, when I'm walking properties, and it's usually 45 to 60 minutes, I'm trying to assess the tenant's looking at the curb appeal, trying to assess, you know, what additional income ideas I can implement. I'm walking a classic and a renovated unit, and I'm trying to assess the deferred maintenance ticket items. These are the five things that I'm focused on. Of course, the list is long and I have a very robust, you know, questionnaire that I go over and I'm kind of grilling the property manager that is on site and asking them about whether they have crime on the property, what's their income requirement when it comes to tenants, if it's 2x, 2.5, 3x, then a lot of other questions. But these are the main five things that I'm focused on. That's it for today, guys. Be strong, be bold, and keep pushing forward. And I'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.